Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Joachim. And I'm Petter. And this is episode zero of a new podcast from Shortcut. At Shortcut, we make apps for life. This means we're passionate about making mobile experiences that improve lives in ways large and small. I have a background as an iOS developer, and in Shortcut, I am currently the Chief Knowledge Officer of Shortcut Sweden. And uh, with me, I have Joachim and Petter. You guys want to talk a little bit about what you're doing? I'm a longtime software developer since way before the iPhone. I actually started on the Mac, classic Mac OS. Today, I work as a client lead at Shortcut in Denmark. And I am uh, not as a long-time uh, Apple developer. I've been working in Shortcut for eight years, but I'm very passionate uh, about it. I've been working with Apple products for more than 10 years, maybe soon 15, as I worked at the different uh, Apple stores before that. So yeah, now I'm currently working on some of the biggest apps in, in Norway. So that's fun. So podcasts, what is this, uh, Jack? Yeah, so this idea came up recently that we should create a podcast here at Shortcut. Uh, we have a lot of people with a lot of great experience, and we all internally love to talk about iOS and Android and design and all these different aspects of app development. And we think it's a great idea to be able to share this with people. We'll be talking sometimes about specific technologies, things we're doing in our different offices. And we thought it'd be great to share these kind of discussions with our clients, friends, all sorts of people in the industry. There are a lot of people who are interested in apps and interested in the process of what goes into making an app. And we just think it's interesting to sort of create more of a discussion around this. We'll also be talking about current events in the app world. So like next week, we have coming up Apple's annual WWDC, which all of us will be watching the keynote on Monday and you know trying to figure out what it all means. Yeah, I know that a lot of what is being discussed this year, there's a lot of rumors about something to do with AR. There's probably going to be some new, new device running a new S that's maybe called Reality OS or maybe called XROS and a lot of stuff around this. Yeah, I feel like it's a very, very exciting year. And I'm, I'm really happy that we have this podcast to sort of catch up with you. It's, it's very interesting because we have so many smart people across so many countries. So actually to have this place where we get to meet and discuss these things, I, I'm really excited about. So WWDC is short for Worldwide Developer Conference, which is a thing that Apple has had for many years. Uh, Joachim, how, how long have you been, been joining it? Yeah, I was uh, thinking back and I was starting before the iPhone again. And this was at a time when Apple wasn't so popular as it is today. And I remember I was, I was doing Mac OS development and I liked everything about it, even podcasts about it. There wasn't a whole lot of it. I looked at Apple's developer side and had a look at the sessions because those were all published way before. And I was contemplating for months whether to go or not. And in the end, I decided to go. And this, I think, was in 2005. And there was as much space as you wanted. The last WWDC I attended was, I think, 19, yeah, 19 before COVID, so it must have been 19, and that, that was when there was a lottery. And even before then, I remember a year where I've, I succeeded getting a ticket uh, and it sold out in 10 seconds. Yeah. Right. That was before the lottery. 
So a lot of things have happened. Because I attended uh, Dub Dub for the first time last year, which was the first uh, Dub Dub, which wasn't really a developers conference. They just presented a video, essentially. So I got to visit Apple Park, which was really fun. But there was no workshops or nothing like that. Uh, they just posted the videos online, which as a person in Norway, it's kind of better because you get higher quality videos where they present better what things are I, i mean just like even though you're not that interested in apple development just going into the developer site from apple and seeing the the news is always interesting i think and that's something that i think that apple has really expanded and grown and become more open with over the years i remember a company i was working at approximately 20 years ago maybe even a little bit longer i didn't go but someone else in the company did go to wwdc and he came back and he had attended all these sessions and seen these talks and things And then he got to pay, or I guess the company paid, extra money so that DVDs with all the video content would be sent through the post. And th and those DVDs came, I think it was like three or four months later. <laughs> so to actually have a recording yeah. of what was going on cost extra money and you had to wait for months. And now they post so much content live or nearly live that it's, it's really a huge boon for developers. Like you said, you can sit at home and comfortably watch these things and not even need to be there. Of course, there's benefit to being there, but you can get a lot out of it right away for free at home. Which is great. Yeah. So, so for everyone that works with uh, Apple developers or or in some somehow in relationship with Apple developers, they know that that week is just like people will just sit at home or at work and watch these videos and just like try to figure out they release a new beta version of Xcode where things work differently. The beta versions of iPadOS, uh, iOS, WatchOS, uh, which can totally break your <laughs> devices. Uh, but that's uh, always a fun thing every year. Do we have anyone from any of our offices going? We, we have three people in Norway going. I'm not sure. I think that's the, the only ones this year one person who used to work at apple which was also there last year which is very nice because he sort of can introduce you to people and sort of know how this works uh so that's that's very nice yeah you went last year didn't you Pedro? yeah which it's really fun but it's also you get to visit the apple park which was like beautiful and it's really weird to see that in real life after being such an apple head and seeing videos from it for for so long but essentially we we came there we got some food and then we could sit out in the garden to see them like tim cook and i think craig fredrigi introduced the video and then you essentially saw the same video as we do everywhere in the world uh so it was uh yeah You, you get sunburns and get to see the the office, which was very nice. But I feel like this year when I'll be here in Oslo and see the the event together with the, all the other iOS developers in, in Oslo, I think I'll actually get more time to dig into to what they actually release. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that uh, if you're there during the week, um, you also want to... You don't want to spend all of your time digging into this thing because you also want to network and talk to people and spend time with the people you're with there and talk about what's going on. Whereas if it's more like, well, I'm at home watching, that means that, you know, at some point the workday is done. I'm at home. I can think about this more. I can delve into something. Yeah. And I'm not spending time with my friends or colleagues 
going around trying to figure out what to do. Not to forget the the jet lag. Last year, I woke up at like five o'clock in the morning, yeah. just like excited for <laughs> for Tub Tub, but that sort of makes the day harder. Yeah, a lot of things have changed there as well. I remember one of the first Tub Tub DCs in San Francisco in the Moscone Center. I always had this jet lag, of course, that you just described, Peter. And so I, in the end, I realized I might as well just uh, get up and, and go to the center because I couldn't sleep anyway. Yeah. And uh, I was there at 4 a.m. and I, I was number two in the line. And uh, and I, you know, that's it was really nice because you talk to these people and especially the uh, the folks around you uh, in the beginning of the line, and then obviously during the day it would go uh, all around the block, and uh, before they let people in, but in the later years people would camp outside days in advance, and yeah. you. you you might as well just go to directly to the overflow room because you knew you didn't have a chance to to get into the main room <laughs> for the keynote. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think this is is way better and also just like a way to to meet the community. I'm I'm very excited that we're able to gather all the developers in in Oslo and also just like Apple interested people, which also sort of comes back to what this podcast is about and what sort of topics we're planning on discussing on this podcast. We want this to be a place, even though you're maybe not in the industry or work as an app developer, that if you're interested, then you can come here and listen to designers, developers, decision makers talk about what's going on in in mobile. And tagline in Shortcut is that we make apps for life. I feel like when I walk down the street, I'm fairly certain that almost all the people I walk past have some code in their pocket written by some developer that in shortcuts, which I'm I'm really excited about. But that also means that we have, yeah, we, we do have some sort of influence in people's life. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think that uh, that's one of those things when where you notice that, okay, this thing that I have done or the company I'm working for has done has created all these opportunities for people to improve the way they're living their life in some way. Like I think I'm sure each of us has had the experience of being out in the wild and actually seeing someone using an app that you've written or worked on. And that is a, that's a great feeling in itself. But then some of the things we're working on, like I know that especially in Norway, Shortcut has done some work on apps that are really kind of societal infrastructural app in a way yeah um th- things like this vips right which i guess is something that everyone is using and we've had some part in this things like that is really it gives you a a, a sense of that the things that we're doing are important and are widespread yeah i know the first i don't know 10 or 15 years at least of my career every piece of software that i worked on was something that was for a company or was maybe a product, but it was a product that was only sold to a few, a handful of businesses. Yeah. So I could never show anybody, here's the thing that I built. Here is, you know, so people, family and friends and stuff, yes, they know I'm a software developer, but they didn't have any practical experience of what that meant until I could start to show them in their hand, yes, this piece of software running on this phone right now, I wrote this, or I was on the team that built this. That's a huge thing. And when you can... Yeah not only do that, but say this is also something that is actually great and is improving people's lives. That's that's really the big brain moment. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting because you we do work with clients and they have wants and needs, but what we essentially do is make 
apps for the end users. They are the ones who say if this is good or bad, and if it's bad, they probably won't use it. And even though, like, if a client comes to us and say, we want to do this, if the end user don't want that, then there's no reason to really make it. It's really an interesting thing. Which also is then interesting coming back to DubDub because their Apple presents new stuff. And we sort of have to be on the forefront and see how we can use these things for to actually improve the, the end users' lives. So, Bondo, what do you expect? You you did present your chess app here a few weeks ago, and you did speak something about how you see the future. I I wouldn't say that I see the feature, future, to be honest, but uh, we have heard, of course, a lot about AR, AI, even all these uh, abbreviations of artificials, artificial this and that. And I think... It, the, everybody, including the stock market, will probably be disappointed if Apple doesn't release anything AR-related. What that is, I, I tend to not speculate about it up to the event because there are so many rumors and you can speculate and you can engage in these rumors, but nobody knows, probably nobody knows outside of Apple. And to be honest, I much rather like Apple's presentation and framing and storytelling about a about a product than some random person's speculation. So I tend not to uh, go to engage too much in the rumors, but you also have to uh, relate a little bit to reality, even the artificial one. So uh, We'll definitely, I think, see something in that realm. Is it a device? Is it an OS? I don't know yet. Yeah, but that's. I feel like that's like the interesting part of, I don't know, how Apple presents stuff, is that you can have this idea of like, oh, AR, it's augmented reality, it's seeing things that's not really there through a headset. But what Apple usually is very good at is creating these stories about it, like how people should use it. They build the interactions, they build so much around it, which other companies might not do. Which makes it easier for people like us to actually see how we can bring this to our end users. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that, you know, if Apple releases or announces hardware next week, there will inevitably be people saying, well... You know, that hardware is no better than this other headset hardware from this other manufacturer, and it costs more and all this kind of thing. But I think what Apple is usually pretty good at doing is finding a new actual use case. Like the, the hardware that Apple creates is not always completely revolutionary. It's often an evolution of things that already existed. But they, like I said, they create a story. They find some way to tie things together. So it's not just, yeah, here's a technology you could use to play games that are 3d immersive games like that's one thing but they'll they'll have if they're going to announce something they will have specific reasons like how this how this can help people and this is where we just like you said this is where we can tie in and try to extend that even more i'm also curious to hear their framing so is if they present this headset is it a is it a consumer product right from the beginning or is it a developer platform? When we look at the iPhone, that was very much a consumer product from the very beginning and then the year later or so, 
development was sort of tacked on and and then you know that has become a huge industry in and of itself and that's why we do all these apps because we can now develop apps for the iPhone and, and the whole family of products but what about this new one is that going to be a developer platform to begin with what do you think around this I, I feel like it's the same with the with the Apple Watch the the Apple Watch sort of it you could develop apps for it for the first version but you probably wouldn't because the experience was so bad uh, also the apps didn't there was everything was like really slow i don't think if they launch a headset that that will be sort of the first impressions that they want you to get it but yeah it, it is like a really interesting question one one big issue with this is the price point there has been rumors about that this will be really, really expensive. And what will that sort of make this product if it just becomes this like luxury high-end product? That will be a very different thing than, I don't know, I, I, well, Apple products are essentially a bit luxury, but it's very different if it costs like twice, three times as much as a MacBook Air. Or an iPhone, which is already very expensive for most people. I don't know. It, it will be really interesting to see. Right. And I think that's one thing that's very interesting. If you think back 12 or 15 years when the iPhone was pretty new and other smartphones also were pretty new, yeah. there were plenty of people who said, well, this is a luxury product. I'm sticking with a feature phone because I don't want to pay close to $1,000 for a phone. But now, like you, if I walk out my front door, I probably have, you know, I'm a stone's throw away from 50 people who all have a $1,000 phone in their hand or in their pocket. I think when, when there is utility and a use for something that people find that this is improving my life in a way, then people will find a way to afford it yeah. somehow. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is going to be walking around with a $3,000 headset on their head, but that I Apple could be finding a way to perhaps open a market segment for some people to use this. And then eventually, of course, technology tends to get smaller and cheaper and lighter and easier to build. And so over time, anything that's $3,000 today is going to be a lot less expensive in the future for the equivalent. So yep. I, I don't really foresee like walking around town and seeing a lot of people wearing Apple headsets in the in the next months. I, I mm. That sort of feels very, no. <laughs> very futuristic for me. I but I don't know, it will it be just an indoor thing? Or will you actually see people Wear this outside what are we gonna use it for <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's the main main question it's like what why why does this help us right uh but i also think that it it sort of it goes very into apple's uh goal with what they create and sort of what we then create with it for them it's to make people's lives easier so if this sort of just makes everything harder and you cannot disconnect and sort of connect with other people, that is a big issue. I, I think their story here will be way different than what other companies like Meta is doing. Yeah, I think that's, that's very much the case. I mean, Meta is all around selling additional services and selling your information and selling ads and all that kind of thing where Apple is very much not. Yeah, so I think, I think whatever they announce, and I assume it's going to be something along these lines, I think it'll be very interesting. And we do want to point out that even though we're talking a lot about Apple right now, and we will be for our next episode also because we're talking about WWDC, we at Shortcut are not just iOS developers. We also have a bunch of great Android developers, and we build Android apps as well. I would say the great majority of our projects are both iOS and Android. 
So we are by no means an Apple only shop. No. And, and it's also interesting how like how Apple and Android are uh, developing. Now we get CarPlay, we get Android Auto, which we had a de- demo of last Friday. There, there's so much stuff in this ecosystem that we are now a- being able to build stuff for, which is really exciting. I wonder if we should start to wrap up. This has been episode zero of a Shortcut podcast. Shortcut is an app development company in the Nordics and the Balkans. And we are passionate about making apps that improve people's lives. This episode was produced by Myra Carbone and recorded remotely from Shortcut in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. See you on Tuesday, June 6th for our WWDC special. See you. See you. (laughs) 